If you are a follower of Christ, then God will call you to do things that align specifically with His will for your life. But if we're honest, there have been times when God's call seems a little bit too big to follow. How can we have hope and confidence to follow God even when His call seems to be a little bit too overwhelming? How do we even know what God's call looks like? I mean, is it a dream? Is it a divine inscription inside of a pizza box? How do we find the hope that we need when following the call of God? For this episode, I'm going to sit down with Sean and Kristen Evans. Sean and Kristen, along with their three children, are currently raising funds to be missionaries to the field of Sierra Leone in Africa. I will ask them to share their story of God's call in their life. And through this episode, we will discover how we can have hope even when God's call seems too big. Welcome, uh, Sean and Kristen. It's so good to be able to have you on here on our third episode of this new podcast, A Moment of Hope. And so uh, our friendship started, what I guess it was started uh, earlier this year, right? Uh, We met, was it last year? I guess you and I met for the first time? Yeah, I think it was last year. We met at a a fellowship meeting, I think. Yeah, yeah, out in uh, Dunn, North Carolina, Central Baptist Church out there. I'm actually interviewing pastor Tom in a couple of weeks, but, uh, anyway, that was the first time we connected. And yeah. so you then went to our sending church Valley forge and we were, you know, kind of met each other virtually, I guess that way. And then you yeah. guys came down to our church, presented the work and Lord willing, we'll be taking you guys on, <laughs> uh, once we actually start meeting together collectively. Uh, but just, I wanted to give you guys have an opportunity to introduce yourselves, tell a little bit about your family, and then if you could kind of jump in, maybe a little bit about your background when you first became followers of Christ. So why don't we do ladies first, and we'll go with Kristen first. So I grew up in school, uh, in church, and learned lots of lessons out of the Bible, but it really wasn't until after Sean and I were married in 2005 that the reality of my need for a relationship, a saving relationship became uh, apparent to me. So that was November 1, 2005 at a church revival by our home church, our sending church. And uh, that night, God made it very clear to me that I was missing that connection between head knowledge and uh, a heart level understanding of who Christ really is for me. So what you're saying is it wasn't until you got married to Sean that you realized how desperate you were for a fulfilling relationship with God. <laughs> wow. All right. Wow. Okay. Except for his testimony. <laughs> Except for I was lost as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. So why don't we just jump right into your testimony? Then? I, wish, I wish I could say, you know, it was because of my spiritual influence. <laughs> But that is not the case at all. Um, <laughs> no, we ended up, I grew up in a, in a godly home and I grew up in a, a great Christian school and we grew up in church. I mean, we, my family, we were in church all the time. I mean, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, there's going on at church. We were always there. You know, I'd said a prayer and made a profession of faith as a, as a kid, got baptized and, and it just kind of floated through life and, and always struggled with assurance of salvation or lack thereof of salvation really inevitably is what it ended up being. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it kind of like a works-based type, you know, well, and I said a prayer and, and, you know, I, I try to do good and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, anyways, we ended up going to that revival she was talking about. She, she were, she and I were married and, and, and look at this, we still are married, but we were. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, we were at this, that revival. And then, man, when he came to the, to the invitation portion, he was preaching out of Revelation when, when he was talking about the, the opening of the books. Yep. I knew that, that my name wasn't in the book of life. Like, I, I knew it. It was like, a, like I had an epiphany, like a light bulb went off. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, hey, you are lost. You need to get this straight. And uh, so I responded to the invitation. Of course, when I look up to, to go down and respond and, and talk with an altar worker, she had already slipped out. And I didn't know that, so I thought the rapture happened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was she was down there talking with somebody, so I went over there where she was at, and we actually got saved together and baptized together. Okay. So so, and I think it's important. Well, I know it's important that you had mentioned that um, you saying a prayer didn't equal salvation, mm -hmm. and you're right. I mean, if we look at just simply saying a prayer and base it upon the very means of us saying a prayer for salvation, that you know that's works. Hey, I, I did this, so therefore I, I can be saved because I've done this. But it's it's so much more than that. It's it's the repentance and the faith aspect that come into it. So, um, you guys have three kids. So tell us a little bit about your kids. Go ahead. Oh, I get to, okay. So oldest is Caitlin. She's thirteen. Uh, she is doing really well. School went well for her this year, and she's anticipating some you know, changes coming forward with our move and what that means for her and mm -hmm. her opportunity to serve in the ministry. We have Cameron, who's 11. Uh, she is very kind and very gentle spirited. And then we have Wes, who's nine. He'll be 10 next month. And he is um, a ball of energy. He never slows down. He is like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kaysen still talks about Wes. I know he's only seen him a couple of times, but Kaysen loves your son. And uh, it's very evident that you have great kids and that, you know, by God's grace, they are uh, sweet spirited. Um, clearly take after you, Kristen, just <laughs> <laughs> loving the Lord. So, <laughs> so, so though, but that's what I wanted. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys is, is to give the age of your kids because you are, I mean, you're not just moving across town. You are moving across the world mm -hmm. and your daughter is a teenager. Mm -hmm. And that can't be easy, not only for her, but also for your decision in this whole process to follow the call of God. When you have kids that are very, uh, it, you know, for, for us, when we planted a church, my son was, um, I think he had just turned two when we moved down here. He doesn't remember his life prior to moving down here, so it wasn't really a big deal. But your kids have, they're developing roots and friendships and all of those kind of things. And so it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this discussion with, with the both of you, because there may be people that are listening that that could be a factor in mm -hmm. following the call of God is, okay, you know, can I do this? God's call seems to be a little bit too big. He's asking me to uproot my family. And so the first question that, that I want to ask you all, and you can go into a little bit about your plans as missionaries and all, but describe God's calling in your life. I mean, when you realized, okay, God is calling us to be able to go to the field of Sierra Leone, how did that, what did that look like? I mean, was it a dream? Like, you know, <laughs> from a biblical standpoint and from what happened in your life, what did that look like? Well, you know, you're right. We are getting, we're, I mean, we're doing this a little bit later in life. You know, a lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and then our kids are older and I'm not going to tell you how old she's turned. I mean, I'm not doing that. Yeah. No. We're, we're, uh, you value life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to stay married. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I want to live to see 41. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> no, we, 
Well, we are. You're right. We are doing this a little bit later in life, so we are up. We are uprooting. I mean, our foundation has been right here in Florence, South Carolina. That's our home. I mean, our sending churches there. Both of our families live here. I mean, everything our family has known is right here in this town. I mean, we're we're, we're pretty rooted here. And I ran a. I came from a construction background. Had a had a small business here with my family, with my dad and my brother, and and we had several employees. And it was a, it was a commercial door and glass business. And so I was stepping aside from those things too. So I mean, like I said, we're we're pretty rooted here. And so that, you know, and then one day God just opened up the gates of heaven and said, said, "Hello, we want you to go to Sierra Leone." That's exactly how it happened. Yeah, yeah. Is that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not how it happened. I think. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> that, is, that is not how it happened at all. Really, it, it began with. It began with, at a point when I was 35. You know, I was in this discipleship group with with one of our staff pastors, and and it was like I was seeking out, trying to figure out what God wants to do. You know, it started out just being after we got saved, just being faithful. You know, okay. Yeah. God, what does God want us to do? You know, well, God tells us what He wants us to do in His Word. So, well, the first thing is having a relationship with Him. So you look at guy people in the Bible, and you look at guys like uh, we go all the way back to Genesis. You look at Enoch, and you look at look at Noah, and it says they walk with God. And, and God directed them, obviously. And so you go, okay, well, in order to walk with God, I've got to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, outside, obviously, the salvation is the key. You're saved first, but then developing that relationship. I mean, she and I can't have a relationship if we never talk to each other. Right. If we never spend time together. There's no relationship there. Right. And it doesn't go well when that, when that happens. Right. And so it started with spending time in God's word and just praying. And doing the, this, the simple basics, the ABCs of, that, that a believer does, you know, spending time with him and then being faithful to church and, and giving, being faithful to, to give stewardship, time, talent, and treasure type stuff. Yeah. And then you go to um, more leadership, teaching God's word. Then you have the Great Commission. You have all these aspects that as you, you know those portions of God's will, and if you're, if you're seeking to be obedient, and I knew that God wanted, it is, it, there came a point where in this discipleship, I knew that God wanted us to to serve him at a full-time capacity because we began to get, get convicted over our service. Not that we were doing anything wrong and not that we weren't serving the Lord and doing what we needed to do, but it was like God was, God was working in a way that was just different than I'd experienced before. Like I really just began to have this desire to do more, like to go, okay, God, I think, I think you want me, do you want me to serve you in a ministry capacity? I mean, and am I going crazy by thinking this? And because uh, we were studying through James and where James talks about being a, a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know, we're doing, I'm doing a lot of things and I'm doing, doing good things, but Am I doing what God wants me to do? So there's right. a there's a difference and 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 doing all the good things in the world, but are you doing what God wants you to do? Mm-hmm. And all those questions began to resonate in my mind and and as I began to, to discuss these things with Kristen and talk with her what, what the Lord was doing, she was excited. I mean, it was you know, you sit there and you wonder, you know, how's your wife gonna tell you this is a total career right. change? How's she gonna right. take this? But she can tell you a little bit about her heart for missions right after we got saved and and how I was not on board with mission <laughs> to be a missionary, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and actually I, I want to take Kristen, um, a different perspective, uh, for, for you now, 
if you were to look at the biblical roles and, and I'm not looking to get shot by anybody that's, that's listening to this, but you know, <laughs> biblical standpoint, the wife is, is, is commanded by God to be in submission to her husband. Okay. So when Sean comes to you and he says, the Lord, I believe is calling us to do something different in our life. How do you as his wife respond to that? And what was God doing in your heart prior to that? Well, for me, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I I was genuinely excited. Um, Over the months leading up to that, I had already seen even our marriage becoming stronger and better and more unified just in conversations that we were now having that we didn't have before then. Mm -hmm. And so when Sean sat me down and really kind of began it with a, a very somber, he said, Kristen, I really need to talk to you. I mean, what does that even mean, right? <laughs> We're just going. It's about to get real. <laughs> we thought we were going to break up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, so then when he says, I really think God wants me and then our family in some kind of full-time ministry. Wow. Okay. For me, yeah. that was exciting. It really was. And then when he said, and I'm thinking missions, well, that was even better because years before when we were, when I was first, first saved, God had sent a missionary into our church to present their work. And he impressed upon me then this deep love for missions. Um, And I I did, I told John, I was like, wow, what if God used us in emissions what what would that be and how you know how amazing and Sean told me I was crazy so I've always had a, a love for missions and for him to tell me that God was moving us toward missions wasn't a, a scary or an off-putting or upsetting event yeah now I will say you know there are hard times and hard choices that you have to make from that moment going forward, things that have to change and decisions you have to make that are difficult, but the excitement for what God is calling us to do has always been there and it's it's still there. So what you're saying then, and we can kind of bring what you just mentioned in a nutshell that God's, you were serving God and you were faithful to God prior to this call ever coming to place in your heart. So you were already showing yourself faithful. And you mentioned Noah, uh, you think of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus Christ. The Bible starts off describing him as being a just man. So whenever God uses people in a great way, they already were showing themselves faithful prior to that. And then God starts working in your heart and then you feel this peace. And obviously this calling matches up with the commands of scripture. He wasn't calling you to do something like jumping off a building or something like that. That doesn't obviously match up with scripture, but he's calling you to proclaim the gospel. And Kristen, on your side of it, God had already been working in your heart about missions. And when Sean comes and tells you, this is what God's been doing in my heart, you already had that uh, holy unsettled feeling, I guess, holy restlessness, so to speak, regarding missions. And so we can take that to mean that because you're married, God is going to work in the both of your hearts to fulfill the calling that he has for both of you. And so for the married couples that are listening, uh, you, there is a lot of prayer that goes on to that. You're serving together, you're praying together. You had mentioned your, your marriage is already 
strong. It was getting stronger before this call ever occurred. And so you're serving God together and God calls you through that. Now, Chris, you had mentioned that there are times where you have to make tough decisions, which really brings us into our next question. What are some of the biggest fears that you had and you may currently have when you began trusting God for this particular call? What are some of the biggest fears? And this is, I know, the revealing point of, of life here. But what are some of the biggest fears that you experienced? Well, for me personally, I, I realized that in some ways, I probably held back my children from the Lord. And what I mean by that is there are things I'm willing to do for me, make decisions for myself or Sean and I together that are easier to make for ourselves. But when you're making those decisions for other people too, like your children mm -hmm. and ours being older, that's harder to mm -hmm. do. What we're asking of our kids, like you mentioned, our children, this is what they've known up until this past year and they are rooted. And so what I realized, and I didn't un understand it until that point, was that I had to come to a time where I had to, to, to say to the Lord, okay, do I really trust you with my children? Now, that mm. seems kind of silly and maybe even a little um, like anticlimactic, right? Because right. we want to follow the Lord mm. and, be, and be true to him and honest and give him all of our family. But you still have to come, you know, that's easier said than done. And so right. when, when you begin making these choices, that was probably my greatest fear. You know, do I really trust God to do, do what is best for my children in this? Do I trust him for the results, for their that's, education that's changing, for their lifestyle that's changing, for their health in a right. third country, all those things. And that's huge. It's that quite, do, do I, I'm afraid, but really comes down to how much do we trust God in, you know, God, I trust you for my salvation, but I don't know if I'm, you're big enough for me to trust you with my kids. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is stuff that I still struggle. I mean, I'm, I don't think we're going to stop struggling with it on this side of eternity, but uh, you know, Sean, you being the, the man of the house, what were some of the biggest fears that you had in following the call of God? Well, when it comes, it's really taken for me, it was taking that first step. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like Gideon flipping that fleece a couple times. Right. You know, right. It's kind of, it's taking that first step. So I'm sitting here and I, I'm like, okay, God, why, why would you call me to do this? Cause at the time, you know, I battled it for a little bit before I ever talked to her about it. And so, and it was a long process, you know, when we got saved, I was 25 years old. That was back in 2005. So, I mean, there was a 10 year growth process there from my surrender to ministry mm. in 2015 and right. I went back to Bible college. And of course now we're in 2020, which is five years later and, you know, working toward getting to the field. So, you know, it was a long process there, but that first step was, was, was the hardest because you know, I'm saying, God, why would you call me to do that? Why would you, why would, why would, why would I want to leave? I mean, I've got a, got a really good job. We've got, we have a nice house. We have, um, our kids are in a great Christian school. Kristen's got a great job uh, teaching at the school. And man, it seems like everything is, is great. You know, why come I can't just continue to do what we're doing and give faithfully to church and serve and do it there, but stay right here and do it. Right. There's just lost people right here in Florence, South Carolina, just like there are anywhere. I mean, I can sure. people here. And so it was just like, man, I mean, I'm not, I don't come from ministry. I'm not a pastor. I mean, God, I, I can't do this. You know, I don't, 
I don't understand why you'd call me to do it. I, I'm inadequate and, and, I, and I'm still inadequate and I know that I am. You're, it, it just came to a point where to know what to write and not do it is sin. Yeah. Oh, you go, man. James, you go back to James and I, and, and I yep. kept replaying those things that I learned from that discipleship. And thankfully, I mean, the Lord placed great, great men in my life that were great mentors for me and people I could go talk to with the struggles I was having. And, you know, you go back to that pesky passage that James, <laughs> he says that, you know, at this point, I know that he wants me to, to, to take these steps and I'm sitting there going, okay, to know what to do is right and not to do it is sin. And I keep thinking about that and I go, you know what, God, finally, I just, I remember it was the spring of 2015. I remember praying and saying, okay, God, you win. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm tired of fighting you, tired of doing this. I just want to be obedient. I want to serve you. You win. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going right. to trust you. And it was, it's like a weight was lifted off. I mean, there's still those fears of, you know, there, you know, you never really feel, you know, adequate in what you're doing with it. Cause it's, there's always so many unknowns and this, you know, you, you really are having to take those steps of faith and trust God every direction we go. Right. I mean, we're, we're completely dependent. I mean, and, and all of us are completely dependent upon him, but the realization that like, I like to be in control, you know, right. I like to do what I want to do. And I like to be, you know, it's one thing when you're got a steady paycheck coming in yep. every Thursday and you've got the security of, you know, I, you got your routine, you know, I get up at eight, I get up, I go to work at eight, I take my lunch from 12 to one, I come, I go to the gym at 530. And then I, you know, go to church on Wednesday night, I serve, got teachers meeting, got a deacons meeting, you know, you have these routines. The routine, and yeah. And then everything's out of whack, you know? And then of course you have the kids on top of that. You're going, you know, what are, you know, how are they going to react to this? Because this isn't, you know, these are decisions that we're making based on God's leading in our lives. You know, they've got to trust us. Right. You know, because they're, they're sacrificing too. Yeah. They're not being, they don't really have a choice in the matter. <laughs> it's, and it's interesting that you use the verse um, for him that knows to do good and do it or not, it is sin. That is, it came to that point for, for me and, and, and my conversations with Eileen that God had been working in my heart to, uh, for plant, church planning for two years before I ever even said anything. And, and I told her, I said, listen, Eileen, I have to talk to my senior pastor about this because it has come to the point where if I don't do this, then in my heart, I'm going to be sinning. And I guess, I guess the, the thing that we can flip this whole thing around is what is the biggest fear in following God? I think that not following God and not being in the will of God would far outweigh the fear of actually following God. You know, it's because you know that the people say it was the safest place to be. It's in the center of God's will. God's going to equip you to fulfill the will that he has for your life. Yeah. Even when we don't feel like we have that, um, uh, I guess, ability, which leads me into to the next question here is when you're following, okay. go ahead. No, go ahead. I go on the end of that. Absolutely. Whenever you were talking about, you know, following facing that theory, you also come with that, crossroads where you know that am I going to settle for good or am I going to settle for best? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you have good and you have best. Like which one am I going to settle for? Yeah. And I remember one of my, uh, one of my close friends and, and mentors, he used to say this and I, and I, and I always think, I think about it often. So, you know, when I, in this, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, you know, we, we don't know what, 
that's what eternity is going to be like when we get to heaven other than what God's word tells us. But what if right. one day you're standing, you're standing there and you're before God and you've chosen not to be obedient to the, to the call he's placed on your life or to, or to do, or to do something. And what if he says, okay, it's kind of like a, like sports center, a highlight reel. He says, okay, this, this is, this is a, a reel of your life. This is what you did. Okay. Now let me come over here. Let's look at this one. This is what I had planned for you. If you yeah. just listen to me. Right. And you're sitting there in eternity and you're just like, man, I settled for this when God had this and it was so much better. Yeah. And then that gets into a whole nother conversation of, well, you know, if you choose not to follow God, was that really against his will? Did he get it? Uh, we're not even going to talk about that. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> That's no, like no. a whole nother theological discussion, but no, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying is, you know, God's call. If we truly believe that God is good, and we truly believe that God is sovereign and that God will never uh, call us to do something that would hurt us because that's not in God's nature, then why would we not follow him? Mm-hmm. Why would we not take that step of faith? Mm-hmm. Which, which the question I have for you two then is, and I know you're, you're new to all of this. You haven't obviously been on the field yet. You're hoping to be able to get there this year, hopefully uh, with everything going on and things kind of been pushed back with the pandemic and all, but so far in this whole experience, what are some of the biggest blessings that you've received from God? And, and it goes beyond, you know, financial. And, and of course that's a blessing, but you know, spiritual, like what are some of the biggest blessings that you have received since you've taken the step to, of faith to follow God in this particular calling? It's in my faith grow. Yeah. You know, it, that's been the, the biggest thing. It's like, I don't really, you know, I mean, in God's word, he says, be anxious for nothing. And you know, that's, a lot of times that's easier said than done, you know, be anxious for nothing, you know, right, right. you know, we can say that, Oh yeah, be anxious for nothing. I and mean, it's easy to say when you're not the one worrying, you know, <laughs> when you're not anxious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> I know that's easier said than done a lot of times. Right. Right. And, but you know, every time we have ever taken a step out in faith into the unknown, I mean, especially the first big step, but then every time it just gets easier and easier. I mean, mm. there's, Sometimes, you know, we just go with direction and say, okay, God, we're going to go this direction because we believe this is where you're leading us. And I'm going to trust the fact that this is not the direction you want us to go. You're just going to close the door and send us another direction. Yeah. And, he, and it, it's just that I've seen my faith grow so much more than if I would have stayed doing what I was doing. Right. You know, going through the same old, same old. And, and man, I look back now. Yeah, I wouldn't trade serving the Lord and doing what we're doing for anything in this world. Like I have more more peace and just more joy in doing what we're doing. Mm. I mean, it, you know, the peace and the joy and, and, and all the things that come along with serving God. I mean, you know, and, and I don't want to, it's not easy, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to build it up and be like, oh man, it's easy. It's because it's not. Yeah, where in the Bible does it say that following Christ is going to be easy? Matter of fact, it says the opposite. <laughs> the exact opposite is not easy. It's difficult. Right. I mean, it, it is. It's very difficult. But on the other hand, it's like, it's, it's funny how things can be difficult and how things can be unsure or by our standards unsure, but yet you have more peace and joy yeah. than you did doing what, the known was, I guess, or what we could somewhat control, you know? Right. What about you, Kristen? Well, I would agree with Sean personally, just in seeing God um, take care of our family for the provision as we've traveled. It's simple things. We've been in great health. We've traveled for a year and a half now to lots and lots of places and we've been very healthy. 
um, in those ways. So tangible things, but God also obviously knew that I would struggle with how this would affect our children and what that would look like and would they be okay and and then to see them them grow spiritually yes, i mean that has just been such mm. a gift to see our oldest daughter who probably had the hardest time she with did. this the entire time leading up to deputation and beginning deputation to see her get it and to see her her maturity and to see her personal relationship to watch her and pray with her and see her telling God that she's having a hard time that she's struggling and then have her come to me the next day and say God has helped me with this God answered my prayers in this in this situation for her to do that at 13 where it took me into my 20s you know just to see that growth and to see her her realizing that jesus is real in her life that is yeah. that is amazing that's um, wonderful imagine if you two did not follow the call of god you know what kind of example that would be setting to your kids if you said no. And that's, and that's one of the things that we have to think about as parents is that, especially if they're older, your kids are watching you. And if you believe that God is calling you to do something and you rather sit back on the comforts of your situation, look at the opportunity that you're missing out on for your kids to be able to see the faith in action that you're possessing and following God. You know, we tell our kids, trust in God, he's going to make a way God's good. But yet if we're not willing to do that ourselves, and why do we think our kids are going to do that? You gotta let your kids see that your faith is real. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and when I say your faith is real, we we try to be as upfront with ours as as we can be at this age appropriate with everything. We try to be try to be open with them as much as possible transparent. and transparent. But we also they need to see your struggles too. You know, because we don't. You know, like I said, life isn't always a bed of roses, and mm -hmm. I mean it's just the fact of the matter. It's not always easy, and they need to see your faith when your faith is tested right. in those moments, how you're going to react to it as parents. And so I think if, you know, we don't always get it right. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody, we, we all, we don't always get it right. Right. But whenever they try to, whenever you, your kids see reality and not, not fluff and not um, some type of, of, well, we'll use our faith, you know, our faith is good here, but not good here. Or, you know, or God isn't the center of everything and he's just a piece of the pie. You know, we, God's something we do on Sundays, but yeah, yeah. you know, so, so then that would lead us into, to really perfectly. This is our next question. What advice, let's say that God is calling a family to um, uproot their children and their family to move and may, maybe not the mission field, but go somewhere or follow God's call somehow. What advice would you give to them um, to really, I guess, encourage their kids through that process? What, what kind of advice can you give? Maybe something you've learned through this whole process with your own kids. What you got? What do I have? Um, going back to Caitlin, when we told her that, mm -hmm. Sierra Leone was where God was calling our family and she was incredibly upset, very angry, didn't know why it had to be our family. 
and why she had to be, you know, in her words, weird to be like her friends. <laughs> why can't I be like everybody else? Why can't yeah, I be yeah. Like everybody yeah. else? Okay. Uh-huh. You know, um, that was probably the that was the first of many very real conversations, and I I told her because it was just she and I in that moment. I said, Caitlin, honey, you know, God doesn't call believers to be like everyone else. So even if we stayed, our goal is to never be like everyone else. That's huge. And then, and so once she got it into her mind that as a Christ follower, because she has professed Christ and has, you know, said she accepted him as her savior and, you know, I believe her. Um, for her to understand that I never would want her, that she should never want to look like everyone else in that way. That was the first step. And you know what? I didn't, Sean or I tried to browbeat our children. You will go and you will have a good attitude. None of that ever happened. We just said, look, we're a team. God calls the entire family, Mm. not just dad and mom. And we really just want you to pray about it pray for God to change your heart, to soften, you know, to help you with this. And, and she did for several months, months. She prayed about this. We prayed, she prayed. And finally she came to us of her own volition and just said, I want you to know that I've been praying about this and that God has changed my heart. He has answered my prayers. I understand why we have to go. But look, it wasn't like sunshine and rainbows. It was, you know, a little um, emotional because she said, I am sad. I am sad that we're leaving and that I'll miss my friends and my family. But I understand and I'm, I'm okay. Like, I, I want to go. So that's how we handled it. We didn't try to force mm. any of it on them. No, we told her. I mean, you know, like Kristen just said, my belief is that God calls the family. Like, sure. you know, just call me and not her. I just call her and not me. And, you know, our kids, obviously, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not a child-centered home where we base all of our decisions based upon, you know, how our kids feel at the time. But yeah, absolutely. I do believe that God calls calls the family. And, and that was one thing when we had the conversation with Caitlin. She's the oldest. I mean, the other two are still, we're still young enough and they still are at the time. Cameron's getting, getting older now. She's 11. But, Caitlin was, 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 was a tough, the, the other ones were smaller and they just kind of, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're going, you know, somewhere, but it's an adventure, it's an adventure to them, but sure. Caitlin, she had developed close friendships and I, you know, and, and I told her that, that we weren't going to, we did not want to go. I said, I'm not going to do this until everybody's on board. Right. Not that, not that we're not going to follow God's call, but I said, I want you on board. We are a package deal. We're a family unit and I don't want to get on the road and you have a rebellious heart. Right. Right. No, I don't, I don't, cause man, there's enough stresses on doing what we're doing, traveling and doing, going from church to church, to church, to church on being tired and all that kind of, stuff. there's enough stressors. I don't having somebody whose heart is rebellious on the team is not <laughs> gonna, that's going to equate to a perfect storm. Yeah. Right. Well, so, so, so that's kind of how we, and, and God really, I mean, he answered mm-hmm. all prayers. He answered her prayer. I mean, we just prayed about it. And like I said, we were going to be obedient regardless. Sure. I put her on the team, and I and I trusted that that God would change her heart, and so and we we both trusted that God would change her heart, and that we would pray because we knew that He wouldn't ask us to do something that mm. that would be 
that just would that would tear our family. That would tear our family apart. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying is is when you brought the news to your children or to Caitlin, uh, there was in in an initial response, of course, would be probably for most teenagers, what are you talking about? <laughs> the first thing that you did, and this is so crucial, is that you reminded her of her purpose as a follower of Christ. And that is not to be just like everybody else. It is to follow the call of God. And then once you did that, you gave room for the Holy Spirit to work in her life. You know, you, as you mentioned, you didn't browbeat her. This is what we're going to do. Like, even though you said, hey, you know, we're going to do this, but you didn't force that on her, you step back and you allowed the Holy Spirit to work mm -hmm. in her heart. And then at that point, you encouraged her. You helped her remember, like, this is going to be some hard decisions that we have to make. But what you did through that whole entire process as you were living out the Christian life in front of her, and it wasn't like a Sunday morning service that she heard as a great message. No, no, you were visibly showing her, this is what the Christian life looks like. And that is the priority that we have as Christian parents. You know, the priority they have as Christian parents is to raise followers of Christ. And we leave the saving up to God. We understand that. But our priority as Christians is to raise followers of Christ. So the final question we have here for us uh, today is there may be somebody that's listening that, that feels this holy restlessness about the situation they're in right now, but they don't know what exactly God is calling them to do. What can what advice can you give to someone when they feel that God is calling them to do something, but they don't know exactly what it is? I would say remain, you know, obviously seek out God's plan for your life and and be praying about it and be spending time in his word and doing the things that you already know to do. Take him at his word. Go at continue serving faithfully. Okay. If you're not, let's just use for instance. If, if you know God's word teaches you to tithe faithfully, okay, and you're not doing that, well, then you need to get that straight. Yeah. You know, or let's say you know that you're supposed to be witnessing and you're supposed to be telling people about Christ and you're not doing that. Now, how is God going to use somebody who's disobedient to what God's word already tells them to do to, do to start with? Yeah. So you have to get those things narrowed down first. And then as your as your as Psalm 37, 4 says, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of that heart. Right. You know, that doesn't mean he's going to give you what you want. That means your desires are going to change in what you want out of life. Exactly. If you're, if you're being obedient to what you know God's word already says, your desires are going to start to align with what God's desires are. And then if you're still struggling and, and you're going, okay, I it's kind of like God revealed the, the more faithful you are. God continues to reveal himself a little more along the way. Well, then you come to a point, then you seek godly counsel. You go to your pastor, you go to, um, you know, you don't go seek counsel from some lost person trying to figure out what God's will is right, right. or your coworker. You know, you go to, to a spiritual authority in your life, like your pastor, maybe you go to a Sunday school teacher or, you know, for me, yeah, I went to, you know, one of my mentors who, who was an associate pastor at our church. I went to him first and I talked to him. I said, man, I believe God's leaving me in a ministry. Uh, you will seek out godly counsel at the same time. And that's what, um, and, then, and then that's kind of the next step. And then, you know what? You just got to dive into the deep end of the pool sometimes. When we're following God, we have to show ourselves faithful in the small areas before we ever going to call us to do something big. And I mean, that's, it's scriptural. Um, yeah. 
And, and, and what you said about Psalms is so huge. And this is what I would tell people when, when God was calling us is that, you know, it's not that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he's going to give us the desires of our heart. Okay. Now I got to dodge Viper because I delighted in God. No, yeah, yeah. the more we delight in God, the more our desires will come in line with his will for our life. And, and, and then it's just the calling, you know, compliments all of that. And so stay faithful and you keep pushing and, you know, we'll see how God blesses. When I thought about, and, I, and then I came across this, you know, as I was studying, I was actually preaching out of this in a church and um, we were recently at, and as I was studying for it, uh, I came across, I'm going to pull it up real quick on my, on my phone. And it was in John chapter, John chapter four um, with the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. And let me pull up the verse so I can get it exactly. I didn't memorize it. I mean, what kind of missionary doesn't memorize the entire Bible? But, uh, <laughs> You're a missionary, not a concordance, right? Yeah, exactly. And let me go to the passage. It's where he's talking about the, when he says the fields are white unto harvest. But then he says when his disciples came back, and they came back from the city from, from uh, going to get food, he came back and they they were talking about, did somebody bring Jesus something to eat? And Jesus said unto them in verse 34 of John four, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Yeah. All right. When you see that, you know, you, you sit there and go, okay, we talked about delighting ourselves in the Lord. Or are we hungry to do the work of the Lord? Yeah. Like as a, you know, do we have a desire to do the work of the Lord? Like Jesus, like, do we have that hunger? Right. It's a fulfilling hunger. Like it's, it's fulfilling to do God's work. So you delight yourself in the Lord when he begins to change those desires. As you're delighting, you have a hunger to do, to do God's will. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. And that's huge. Uh, Sean and Kristen, thank you for sharing your heart this afternoon. Um, and we are going to continue to be praying for you as you thank go to the field. And thank you for being an example, although not perfect. So I'm not trying to put obviously undue pressure, but thank you for being examples of followers of Christ. And, um, we're looking forward to partnering with you, um, prayer and, in all different fronts as we, uh, look to share the gospel all across the world. So thank you. God will never call you to do something that he has not already prepared and equipped you to accomplish. The best thing that you can do right now is to serve God where you are. Remain faithful in the small tasks and delight yourself in him. And when God prompts you to accomplish his will, Follow him in faith, being reminded that your calling as a Christian is not to be like everyone else. Our allegiance is to Christ. We follow him, and in the process of following him, we influence others to do the same. Following God never disappoints. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to check in next week as we interview Melissa Baker on the subject of maintaining authentic worship in the midst of the busyness of life. Have an awesome week.